You remember the class where I taught you all how to make it rain? That's what I'm going to be doing every single night. Dollar, dollar bills, y'all. Welcome to Baseball by Design. I am SportsLogos.net minor league baseball correspondent Paul Caputo, broadcasting live, as always, from the Sunday Helmet Hall of Fame in my basement in Fort Collins, Colorado. Today, we're going to be talking about the Florence Yalls. Y'all? That didn't sound right at all, did it? They play in Florence, Kentucky. I will be speaking later on in this episode with Jay Becker of the design firm BLDG. And I'm going to be speaking with one of my own personal heroes, grammar girl herself, Mignon Fogarty, who is in the podcast Hall of Fame and will come talk to us about some grammar and usage things. You are going to love it. And of course, Dan Simon will be here with a Studio Simon Stumper. Right now, I'm so pleased to be joined by Max Johnson, who is the general manager for the Florence Y'alls. This is the first time I'll ask this question this way, Max. How are y'all? Uh, we're doing good. I'm doing good. Thanks. I got to tell you, it didn't feel good. It didn't feel good coming out of my mouth. I don't think I've ever actually said y'all in a, in a, you know, conversational setting there. So I, I do it all the time. And I, uh, I, I went at it every time too. At the same time, it's fun. And that's kind of the whole point behind, you know, it's kind of like the whole thing behind it is, you know, because, you know, that, that culture is so ingrained and, in, uh, into Kentucky and the South and everything. One of the my favorite things about when when the Florence Freedom rebranded as the Florence Yalls, you put out a a graphic that explained all the various elements of of the logo, and I thought that yeah. was well. First of all, it made my job very easy covering this brand for for SportsLogos.net, <laughs> but that was uh, that was back in January of 2020, and uh, made a big splash. Before yeah. before we get into the particulars of the the brand, I'll ask just uh, the story. I think it's fairly well known in minor league baseball circles, but I'll ask for it from 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 you yourself, the, the general manager of the team. Where does the nickname Yalls come from for a baseball team in Florence, Kentucky? Yeah, um, so um, I seventy one seventy five. Um, we're right in the crosshairs of that major interstate, and uh, as you drive into Florence. Um, there's a big water tower that the easiest way to describe it is it looks like a peppermint. Um, the mayor at the time, um, his name is Wally. He built that water tower and he also built a mall uh, right behind it. And he wanted to advertise the mall. He wanted to say Florence Mall. Um, and the Department of Transportation came back and said, you can't have a sign advertising the mall that's that big. Um, so he just kind of pivoted because you all is a, you know, a Southern culture kind of term and just changed the M to a Y. Um, and that shtick, you know, lasted through today. Um, so every time you drive into Florence, it's the first thing you see. How, how do you go from that story from, you know, 1974 or whatever to, we're going to call our baseball team that, how did that conversation, where, where did the. Let's see. Let's do some quick math here. So, like a third of a century, basically, between that happening, you know, between the water tower happening right. and the the baseball team being born, how did that conversation take place? Um. So when um the team, the organization went under new ownership in July of nineteen, um, and you know when uh, when as anybody does their due diligence when you know buying out a business, um, they see where things are stagnant and how they can kind of uh make changes um, to the business to um, increase revenue. And one of the ways of doing that is by changing the name. 
um, and you know it brings a new a new life to the business, um, and it can attract more fans and you know merchandise sales and um, group sales and ticket sales and attendance. Mm-hmm. Uh, we found a Northern Kentucky firm, um, BLDG, um, and Jay Becker and his team kind of helped us, you know, formulate a way um, to pick what's right for the fans. And actually, what we did is we went to Facebook. Um, and we just asked all of our fans on Facebook and then we, we posted the top five and then we let the fans pick, um, y'all's was unanimously the pick, which was pretty surprising. Um, we were pretty excited about too, um, because, you know, Florence being synonymous with Florence y'all, um, you know, it just, it kind of fit hand in hand. Um, then, so the name was decided by the fans and then the design and the color scheme and the theme that we were going to live by, um, we kind of, you know, did in-house with BLDG. And how long have you been with the team? Uh, I've been with the organization since May of 15. I started out as an intern. Um, I've been, been here ever since I, I mean, I was still in school, um, when I was with the organization. So uh, I'm the longest tenured person on staff currently. (laughs) I guess so. Yeah. So through, through eight, you're probably ninth season now. Um, That's very cool. I love a story like that. What did you think? Obviously you had a connection to the freedom name and and logo and, you know, the, the decision to change the name at all. And then with this, you know, very different brand from what the freedom was, what, what was your personal experience with that? Um, it was, it was definitely hard to grasp at first. Like I just, I, I couldn't see a world where we weren't the Florence freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, it, it didn't make sense to me. Cause that's the only life I knew, um, yeah. in baseball. And that's the only team I knew and the only organization I do. And, um, it was, it's like, it's always hard to accept change. I mean, you know, nobody's really on board right away a hundred percent. Um, yeah. but I think, um, you know, with the, you know, with the fan vote, and with the the, the fantastic do- job that BLDG did, um, it was easy to kind of uh, you know get on board right from the get go. You know, w- when you when you hear the name y'all bef- before you can put the brand to it, what it is now, um, it was hard to conceptualize you know, what that would be and what what we would be and what we would stand for and mm-hmm. you know what we would be recognized for. And at, at the end of the day, um, you know, we have free advertising on the highway now because of the water tower, um, which is, you know, what the whole thing, you know, kind of started with, you know, they weren't allowed to advertise the mall. Uh-huh. Um, like now they're kind of like a bill. Now the, the water tower is kind of a billboard for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and once uh, BLDG came together and, uh, you know, they presented us with different ideas, um, you know, we got really excited really quick. I guess that gives you perspective on what the fans are going through then, you know, as they're experiencing this change, especially since, you know, the, the freedom had been around for many years. Right. And, you know, so to grasping that change, I expect is, is probably difficult for any fan base, yeah. you know, regardless of the team when it makes a change like that. So you've mentioned BLDG a couple of times. They did yeah. a terrific job, at least from my perspective, you know, thousands of miles away here in Fort yeah. Collins, Colorado. The reaction I saw on social media was was almost universally positive. Was that true in the in the community as well? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, you know, you know, people are or homebodies and, you know, they, they, they live with the freedom and they know the freedom and, you know, they're, they, they hold strong to the, to that name. Um, it's such, because freedom such a synonymous name across the entire nation. Sure. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to say that you don't like that name. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, 
once the organization buys in and um, if you do a good job on your release and and you show yourself that you're fully bought in, mm-hmm. um, that helps with the transition as well. Um, now, we also had, uh, you know, the unique opportunity to where we didn't fully abandon the freedom name right away because mm-hmm. we had COVID come up. Oh, yeah. um, and we had our own league where we played against the Lexington Legends, um, now the Counterclocks. And at the time, you know, we we hosted two teams and they hosted two teams and we played home and homes. So we didn't get rid of the freedom name. So it was more of a slow transition mm-hmm. um, over one season or one year. So that kind of helps to, you know, release the y'all's brand. And then we went full go in 21 yeah. on the y'all's and, you know, people already had merchandise and people already had been to our games. And, you know, luckily we were able to play and have fans for um, six weeks, um, which was fantastic. And that helped drive a lot of it. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we just sent out like kind of care packages to, you know, social media influencers mm. and uh, they kind of ran with it too. <laughs> mm. I didn't, I didn't see mine. Mine must've gotten lost in the mail. I was, uh, yeah. you know, oh, I'm sorry, I'm, Paul. <laughs> I'm, I'm a huge social media. I'm a big fashion maker out here. So I just, I... <laughs> one of the sort of curiosities about this name is obviously y'all is a plural version of you which the yeah. English language desperately needs. And, you know, we've got different versions uh, of that. You've got yins in Pittsburgh and you've got a lot of you guys and uses and that sort of thing sort of all over the world. Yeah. But y'all is already plural. So there must have been conversation. And even the water tower itself says, Florence, y'all, there must yeah. have been conversation about, do we, are we the Florence y'all? as a plural yeah. mass noun, or are we the Florence y'alls with an S on it, which you ended up going with? Uh, did did that conversation happen? Uh, it did. I don't really remember, but I can kind of speak on to, you know, kind of how we feel about it now. Um, our, our whole thing is embracing y'all's culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and y'all's culture to us is just anything like wacky and just like, you know, why not kind of mentality. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's kind of what we live by. And if you look at things like, you know, in, in MLB, it makes sense to start your game um, at a certain time because you have TV rights and TV deals. Um, we start our games at, you know, random times. Our games on Friday start at 7.03. Why? Because it's y'all's culture. That's why. I mean, there's <laughs> there's no rhyme or reason to it. You know, Saturdays start at 6.36. Sundays are at 1.07. Nice. Tuesdays are at 6.32 because it's $2 Tuesdays. Nice. Um, so there's, you know, there's there's no rhyme or reason to it, but it's just, it's y'all's culture and it's fun. Um, and that's what we're all about is embracing that. Um, and I think, think that's, you know, that's how I kind of view it. It's just, why not? (laughs) Right. I like it. I like it. One of the, one of the elements of the design that has been really very popular. uh, And one of the reasons it was embraced right away is, uh, this powder blue people love a powder blue baseball fans love a powder blue. I see that you're wearing that shirt right now. You've got the powder blue with the red and white collar. Sweet. Got our blues on. (laughs) <laughs> so that that powder blue the explanation for the powder blue in from bldg was on a nice day the sky behind the tower looks this shade of blue it's pantone 2141 if you want to look it up out there you know i the, the sky is a nice explanation for it but it really is you know just that baseball fans love a powder blue that powder blue and red that color palette has been very popular very well received as part of this rebrand was that something you all knew right away was was going to be the color palette or was that did that come out of a, a larger process? No, that came out of the decision when they came up with the different when BLDG came up with the different themes on the ways that we would go. 
um, you know, this was this was ultimately the one that we chose. Uh-huh. Um, there was, you know, different ideas on, you know, who the, who the y'alls are and what we, you know, what we were looking um, to do kind of moving forward. Um, we almost went more, I mean, one of the other options was, um, you know, kind of more of like Milwaukee's blue mm-hmm. and yellow, because that's the color of the Commonwealth flag for this, uh, for the state of Kentucky. Hmm. But the powder blues was an easy decision at the end of the day. I mean, yeah. you know, this the second you see it, you're like, oh, that's you know, that's what I want. It's just it's classic baseball. Um, so jumping on that and having you know red, white, and blue as your colors, um, it's just you know, yes, that. Right. <laughs> so one of the things that that I that you see in minor league baseball a lot right now is that teams are trying to be hyper local and doing a good job of it. It's one of the reasons yeah. this podcast exists, right? So we can talk about the local connections of these names. The word y'alls or the term y'alls obviously has a pretty regional implication connotation, yeah. but it seems that the team has still had a certain amount of, of national attention. When you went into this rebrand process, was it your intention? I mean, because I think there are some teams out there that very definitely have a, we're going to make a big splash and we're going to be a big national attention grabber and we're going to sell a lot of merchandise and we're going to sell merch to every, you know, all 50 states and we're going to put a graphic on our social media that shows how many states we've sold to. This doesn't seem to be that, although it does seem to have become that. Like it did get a lot of national attention and people like it, even if they're not, I mean, I'm sort of a case study in that, right? Like I don't, I've never used the term y'all in a, in an actual conversation, but you know, I love the brand and I, you know, I've got a couple of y'all's ice cream helmets out in the, the ice cream helmet shelf back here behind me, yeah. back in the collection. So, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's an, it's an interesting case because it feels like it was almost designed not to go national and yet it kind of did anyway. Yeah. I think people are able to, to grasp it because, um, you know, how regional and kind of quirky and fun that it is. Yeah. Um, we, we, you know, being on, uh, you know, where we, where we're located, um, you, you could, you know, Kentucky is in Florence and, you know, Northern Kentucky as a whole is kind of the gateway to, um, you know, the South and Southern culture. And uh, that's where y'all's is, you know, unanimously used mm-hmm. um, Kentucky, West Virginia, um, Tennessee, Alabama, Georgia. Um, so, I mean, you know, something that, you know, everyone's using in their everyday, you know, lingo um, kind of picks up and, you know, they can just wear a shirt that, you know, <laughs> or a jersey or, you know, buy merchandise um, with kind of that y'all's mentality uh, behind it. And it's something fun and enjoyable to catch on to. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that I noticed right away about this is you don't see a lot of new minor league baseball logos that are script based, right? There's almost yeah. always some some imagery involved, some character involved. What went into the decision of having like a, a script-based logo rather than you still being the y'alls, but having maybe some sort of character or or imagery, something like that, rather than just script? Um, I think that that goes to just being unique. Um, we we wanted to we wanted to you know come out with a bang, but separate ourselves completely um, from the rest of the world. And, um, you know, we, we, we stuck by that. We'll stick by that. Um, you know, we do have a, a mascot. Um, his name is y'all star. He is, he's the, he's the, he's the water tower. Um, okay. he's an, he's an athlete. Um, he looks like a baseball player, but he just has a water tower head. Um, but we, we, we stay away from him and we stick to the script because, um, 
y'all's culture is, you know, y'all's. And we want everyone to know that it's y'all's. Um, and the easiest way to do that is just is is the script itself. And it just fits perfectly. You know, it, it just sets us apart from everyone else. Um, and that's kind of what we embrace and what we want to be is we want to be different um, in that aspect. Um, and it's worked out well. In this rebranding, the the team claims that Florence, Kentucky is the world capital of the word y'all. I'm curious whether anyone has has come at you about that or there, there must be some other places that feel like they are the world capital of the word y'all. This this it's a it's a pretty bold claim. How do you back it up? The the water tower. <laughs> there's nothing that, that monument, you know, there's no other monument or something that, you know, encapsulates, you know, a phrase or a word, you know, better than that. And uh I'll, I'll stick by that. I'll, you know, I'll stick by my guns and say, you know, it, we are, and it, it's, you know, we're, we're the gateway to it. And, you know, you know, we, we start at, you know, we're on the front lines of, uh, of y'all's culture. Uh, and it's going to be pretty hard to kind of take us down. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. I like you to just do the gauntlet down there to say, Hey, yeah, yeah. No, it's awesome. <laughs> bring it <laughs> max. This has been a, a ton of fun. Uh, where can folks find, you and where can folks find the Florence Yalls on uh, yeah. online and on social media? Just uh, uh, FlorenceYalls.com. Um, you can find us uh, every day, you know, tweeting and uh, posting on Instagram. We also have a Facebook page. Awesome. Thanks, Mac. Thanks. Have a good Bye. one. You too. All right, everyone. Welcome back. Super happy to be joined right now for the first time on the Baseball by Design podcast by Jay Becker, who's the founder, the president, the owner of BLDG Brands, which is a design firm, the design firm that created the brand for the Florence Yalls. Jay, how are you doing? Thanks for joining me. Uh, I'm wonderful. Thank you. You all did such a great job on such a fun brand here. I'm so excited to talk to you about this. Obviously, you were replacing the Florence Freedom that had been around for a long time. And... You know, you really caught the public imagination, uh, I think, with, you know, not just in Florence, but but nationally, right? I mean, I'm in Fort Collins, Colorado, although I should say right now, the time of this recording, I am in Ocean City, New Jersey. Good for you. Uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a favorite family trip every every year. But anyhow, I mean, I, you know, I have seen Florence Y'all's things around. I've seen people wearing Florence Y'all's gear, hats, shirts, that sort of thing. People who have never been to games. I've seen people trading their helmet Sundays online. So it's it's a brand that has reached beyond, you know, just the Florence community, which is fun because the the story of the the nickname is so hyper local, so specific to the community. So, uh, you know, I just I realize it's a long sort of run up to a question about, you know, what were your considerations in creating this brand? And do you have any thoughts about why it sort of caught the public imagination the way it did? Yeah, what well, I, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said hyper local. So the key to minor league baseball is hyper local. You know, it's grab a story that everybody in the region, area, town can kind of um, understand and cling to. Um, it's the, you know, it's the basis of fandom. Mm -hmm. um, the y'alls for us was kind of easy. Um, I'll say the hardest part of it was getting the two managing partners to agree to it. Oh. You know, uh, and I mean, it, you know, the famous story at this point in time is, you know, when when we approached them about the project, they were extremely interested. We had done some really interesting stuff on a, a local regional kind of basis. And when we said, we understand this community very, very well um, and kind of know what you need, they kind of looked at me like, yeah, sure. 
Um, but at the end of the day, you know, the the famous line is, you know, just don't tell me you want to name our baseball team after a GD water tower. And I said, <laughs> it was myself and a couple other people on the team were like, absolutely not. What we're going to tell you is we want to name your GD baseball team after your Hollywood sign. And uh -huh. that was kind of a, a narrative flip moment for them. And they were kind of like, okay, now you got us. Let's talk. <laughs> so, but, but I will say to get to that, there were quite a few conversations that, um, were guised under they had no interest in that so you know even down to the last minute before we released the name i mean they were there was trepidation so really mm -hmm. yeah uh, so were there were there other names that were you know that they were more no. interested in having no it was just just no. maybe not this it, one they had floated a couple derivatives so basically they had done a a name the team contest or crowdsource mm -hmm. And literally like 60% of the names that came through had some derivative of y'all in it. Mm -hmm. You know, we had done the minor league um, uh, all-star game and it was called y'all stars. So there nice. were, there were bits and pieces that were kind of leaning to it. It just, there was nothing in their purview that was going to say, yes, we're going to do this. Okay. At all. One of the things I really enjoyed when this brand was unveiled was the, the, the care that you all took to explain the choices that you made and you know, I covered this for yeah. sportslogos.net and I included some of the graphics that I assume you prepared that yep. had, you know, explanations of the Pantone colors that you chose and uh, you know, the the script and and you know, some of the design elements and you show a, a sketch that has the the shape of Kentucky that is formed yeah. by the alls yeah. in the script there. Yeah. Uh, you know, I this is not something I've seen a lot of where the the firm that actually creates the brand you know publishes or you know makes available to the public you know written descriptions of the choices they made why that red why that blue why this script that sort of thing what led you to do that so i i think it's just the core of what we call brand building you know and i think back to you know an earlier conversation you and i had about logos versus brands i mean there's a depth and a story to a brand where a logo you know, we had had some people come over and join us in our early years um, that came from some of the bigger international branding firms where they would do like a page of 20 different logos and say to the client, what do you like? Mm -hmm. You know, it was, it was never about that. It was always about what's the story and how do we play the brand to that? So if we don't have good rationale, if we don't have a complete and absolute understanding for why we're presenting what we present, we don't present it. So, you know, there's a, there's a bit of the magic really lies in the strategy to design, you know, Absolutely. and that's the whole reason that we played through, you know, all of the development and showed it so that people understood. I mean, this is what it is. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I was curious to know whether that Pantone red 2035C, it's a line from the the red from the the, the water tower, of course. Is that officially the color they used or or did they just use red paint and you came as close as you could to matching that? I think it's they used what red paint they could get their yeah. hands on and we matched to it. Yeah. Okay. I, okay. I, it, we also, before we did the alls, we used to do a, a an event at our studio every year called 199C, which used to be the Pantone color for the Reds. Uh -huh. And it literally was kind of Northern Kentucky's ownership piece of Reds opening day, which is mm -hmm. a big a big, big day in our region. Mm -hmm. uh, so our goal was to keep it as far away from that as we could, but also um, bring to life what somebody else had done. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, we were trying to be very emblematic of Florence and how they had created things. 
So it only made perfect sense to use their red. Sure. A lot of firms that do work in minor league baseball do a lot of work in minor league baseball, and they focus heavily in that arena, or maybe I should say in that ballpark. But I noticed looking at your website that that a lot of the work that you do is not only not in minor league baseball, but not in sports at all. That you you're the, a lot of the work that you do is is all over the place. Yeah. How how does that how is that an advantage, and how is that a disadvantage in creating a brand for a, a sports team? Well, it, it's, I think you have to look at it from the standpoint that we're a brand consultancy. So for us, it's like, tell me what the problem is and let's figure out how we can fix it through brand. Mm -hmm. So we, it's probably why we've never pigeonholed ourselves into one particular sector. Mm -hmm. Now we do have sectors that we do more work in, mm -hmm. you know, we do a ton of EV work. We do a lot of cannabis work nowadays. Um, but we do, I mean, we're actively right now doing, you know, um, sports work for three different major universities. Okay. So, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a piece of our puzzle, but it's not our only, it's not our only um, category. Now, this was not a prepared question here, but since you mentioned that you do cannabis work, so many teams are doing, you know, like they rebrand as beers or some version of alcohol, right? Like you, you know, and right. Asheville has the beer city brand and the yeah. Durham Bulls do the cervezas. And, you know, there's a lot of sort of, alcohol-based alternate brands for minor league baseball teams. I wonder how far away we are from marijuana-based alternate identities for minor league baseball teams. It, it, I would think we're near. Honestly, if you think about sports, they're just trying to capture the hearts and minds of the people. Sure. You know, so there's there's a kind of a uh, an, early, an adoption going on around cannabis that I think it'll kind of find its way into more and more um, heads and hearts. When when that happens, I'm sure that BLDG will be the firm that brings it to us. <laughs> we'll see. I mean, we always say we we don't go into any project with a, a preconceived notion. I mean, we mm -hmm. do our research and listen to what the client tells us, and then we do the best thing that we think fits them. So you know, if mm -hmm. it's if it's a fit, it's a fit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, yeah. That's. I mean, hey, who knows? What's, who knows how far away we are from that? That would that would be interesting for sure. One of uh, the brands that I really like that uh, that we've not talked about yet is uh, one that you labeled the Commonwealth, and it has a, a, an illustration. It's a round L, and it has you know Florence Yall's. So it looks it looks a little bit like a state seal, right? Like in, uh, and and it your, was an adaptation of the Kentucky state seal, actually. It, well, and so this is such a I mean such a fun brand, and the and the one of the tweaks that you made to the state seal was that the individuals in the begin in, in the middle of the image who are shaking hands are a player and an umpire. And in your illustration, you said that, or in your uh, explanation, you said that it reflects the pioneer and the statesman in the original Kentucky seal. This is a super fun brand. I mean, it's, it's different from the other sort of text-based, you know, the script sure. ones that, that you did. Is that one that they use a lot? I mean, I really like this. And if I were going to buy a T-shirt, if I went to the, the yeah. to y'all's game and I were going to buy a T-shirt, this is the logo I would want on uh, on the shirt. Yeah, we did the original merch. The original, the original, the OG was <laughs> that logo on a uh, cream colored T-shirt. Is know, that right? Which, this year we released new cream colored uniforms with just the word flow on the front of them. Nice. <laughs> so, Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, the whole funny. uniform system was built around like 80s, 90s Pittsburgh Pirates, where you could have four or five different sets and they commingled, you know, but it was it was all stuff from people on our team's childhood memories of baseball, you know, absolutely it's like, flipped our trigger. Now, I know that the, the official explanation for the for the blue 
the Pantone 2141C yeah. is the the sky behind the water tower when you're looking at it on a on a sunny day. But like you say, I mean, this is a reflection of of our childhoods. I imagine you and I are yeah. pretty similar in age here. I'm guessing that that powder blue was was something that you were intentional about, you know, just because that's so popular right now in baseball is and, you know, and is so nostalgic for baseball fans, I think, of our age. That powder blue, I think, is a is a choice that really was popular with baseball fans. Yeah, I I'll this one's an easy answer. Uh, Toronto Blue Jays and Kansas City Royals. Oh, OK, OK. So, you know, it's just like that blue is a beautiful representation of an away uniform. Absolutely. Which they're, which most teams now are wearing at home for, Mm -hmm. you know, for, for special Jersey nights. Yeah. Uh, Not the least of which is my Philadelphia Phillies. They, they're constantly wearing their powder blues. I associate it of course with the Phillies, but also with the Expos. I loved the Expos powder blues. So totally. um, So 2141 C is, is okay. Yeah. It's the sky behind the water tower, but it's also a coincidentally awesome approximation of the powder blues that we grew up with. So that's a, that's a, that's a really fun choice. And, you know, that's kind of part of y'all's culture, which is Mm -hmm. give us, give us a question and we'll give you an answer that fits into our culture. So, Hey, yeah, (laughs) fits with our very blue skies. There you go. Perfect. Perfect. (laughs) Perfect. Absolutely. Well, I I mean, this has been a ton of fun to talk about this brand with you and I appreciate all of the care that, that goes into this and the explanations Certainly makes my job easy when I cover this for sportslogos.net to have the explanations already written out in graphic form there. I just pop it in the article and be like, here you go. Here's why. Yeah. <laughs> why they did all yeah. This. yeah um, thanks for having me. You know, yeah. and we, um, you know, don't, uh, don't be a stranger. Come on down and see y'all's game with us. I would love to get to a y'all's game. They have a strong helmet Sunday game and I love an ice cream helmet. Oh, me um, too. <laughs> me too jay where can people find you and where can they find bldg yeah so bldg you can find us on uh instagram at bldg brands um website bldgbrands.com um i think everything everything social media is now bldg brands if not it's the bldg um okay. you know and i'm in covington kentucky so if you're ever down there and you want to chat stop on in and ask for the guy with the beard <laughs> there you go there you go i'm going to assume that twitter is still going to exist in some form it may or may not still be named after one specific letter uh, <laughs> i i saw that the the new logo for twitter came from like a 30 dollar font that you can buy online so <laughs> kind of fitting where it's headed so <laughs> so maybe all right maybe we won't promote your twitter handle we'll stick to instagram there uh, it's so. actually i think it's the, at the bldg okay so, that sounds good yeah. Jay, this has been fun. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. It was great chatting. Yeah, nice to chat with you. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. All right, everyone. Welcome back. I'm going to fanboy a little bit here. I am so pleased to welcome into the podcast Mignon Fogarty, who you might know as Grammar Girl. I have been, every time I have a grammar question when I'm writing something, I will Google the question that I have, and the first Google response is always Grammar Girl with the answer to to my questions. Mignon is also the host of the Grammar Girl podcast, which has been around for almost literally a thousand episodes. On uh, It's like 960 episodes now. So we are here to talk about the, the Florence y'alls and the pluralization of, of you in English. Mignon, I've been talking too much. How are you? Thank you for being here. 
Fine. Thank you so much for that kind introduction. And thank you for listening to the podcast. Oh my gosh. It's so much fun. And it's, I mean, people accuse me of, of being a nerd about minor league baseball. And so, you know, the, the best podcasts to me are the, the more like the focused ones, the ones that really like delve into a specific subject area. So grammar and usage, the English language. I was a journalism minor in college. I've been writing for a long time. And whenever I have a grammar question, you're, you're always right there with the answer. So who better to turn to than when I have a question about how we pluralize you in English, because that's what this team is about. It's the y'alls. Y'all is, is a regionalism of you. This team, this is a baseball team named for a way that we pluralize the word you in English, which happens in lots of different ways all over. Minor league baseball teams represent the places where they play how representative of Florence, Kentucky is y'all? Very. Y'all is definitely a Southern thing. And I can't tell you, I, I was so delighted to hear there is a team called the Y'alls. That is just fabulous. Um, for maybe for the Northerners who don't know, it's spelled Y apostrophe A-L-L. Sometimes people put the apostrophe in the wrong place, but it's a a contraction of you all. Um, and it's one of many regionalisms we have for the plural you in English, because we, as, as you may not have thought about it, but we use you for both the singular and the plural. If I say, I want you to come to my party, that can mean one person or 10 people. It's not clear. And so seeking clarity, people have created all these fun regionalisms like y'all and yins and you guys and, you know, so use, you know, I think in the Philadelphia area, um, because people want to fill in this gap. And uh, the South is definitely y'all country. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and so this is, I mean, this is interesting to me because, you know, we, languages grow and change. And, and obviously when we speak English, we're, we're constantly, not inventing new words, but using new words that, as you as you said, fill gaps. It's interesting to me that that these gaps are being filled in different ways in different places. Is there is there a reason for that? Is there uh, how come we're how come we can't decide on a, on the best way to pluralize you? Oh, that's a great question. I mean, I'm sure it's cultural and it's because it's informal. And so, you know, we have different slang in different parts of the country and different words. I think a water fountain is a bubbler, you know, somewhere in the Midwest or Northeast. You've got, you know, Subway sandwiches and hoagies, soda and pop. Um, these informal words do tend to vary more regionally because they're not some, you know, the Associated Press hasn't agreed on a way to informally use a plural you, you. So it's not something that we see in the media that we're, you know, consuming through TV or newspapers that it doesn't get reinforced that it should be done one way. And so that's when varieties, you know, tend to emerge. I'm I'm curious, you, you commented on something that that I've often noticed. So I grew up in the Philadelphia area. I don't know if you knew that when you called out Philadelphia as using use. It's certainly you hear that there. I grew up saying you guys, which, you know, is is being called into question for not being gender neutral, which I certainly understand. I am from Seattle, where you guys is the typical um, plural. And I've been trying not to say it as much um, recently, too. Right, right. So I have been saying you all. I went to school in Richmond, Virginia, where, you know, 
capital of the Confederacy, right? Like, so that is that is y'all. Florence, Kentucky, they actually say that they are the y'all capital of the world. I questioned the team on this. Is there a way to identify what the y'all capital of the world is? I have no idea. That's <laughs> fabulous. Though They're trying to stake their claim. Go for it. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. When I was at Richmond and I was discovering the use that like people actually used the term y'all, uh, they would put the apostrophe in different places. And so th the explanation that I got was that Y-A was ya as in you, and then the apostrophe was replacing the A in all. That felt a little... I was skeptical of that. And so I, I agree with you that the y'all that the apostrophe belongs between the Y and the A. But there is this other usage. Where do you think that other usage came from? I don't know. That's really interesting. I have not heard that argument. And so people do that though, what um, you know, there's something called folk etymology where um a word might come from somewhere. And people will make up a story that sounds like it makes sense sort of after the fact. And the one that comes to mind is posh. So there's folk etymology that the word posh means port out, starboard in. Uh -huh. And it comes from those being the most expensive or the best berths on a ship, you know, in the 1800s when people sailed back and forth from America to... Yeah. You know, and but but that's not where the word comes from. I don't remember the exact um, origin, but I know that is not the origin, and it's considered a folk etymology. And there are things, uh, you know, all over about words like that. And so people will make up um, origins uh, to suit how they prefer to use a word all the time. It's a common thing. I didn't know that you were from Seattle, and so I need to ask you this question. There's a team in Akron, Ohio, called the Akron Rubber Ducks because Akron is the, you know, there's a lot of tire companies that are headquartered there. And so they're, and they actually claim, they maintain that the rubber duck was actually invented in Akron. But these minor league teams are always doing alternate identities and many of them are food-based. And in Akron, Ohio, they did a, a food-based alternate identity called the Jojos. And a Jojo, they said was specific to the Akron area. It's like a, like a seasoned fried potato. And then they put it out there and people in the Pacific Northwest all spoke up and said, hey, we call them JoJo's out here as well. You're you're furrowing your brow right now. So I'm I've never heard of a JoJo. Yeah, well, that no, supports... I, le I, left, I left Seattle decades ago, so it could be okay. a new thing. But in my era, I had I never heard of a JoJo. <laughs> OK, all right. The battle for the plural you in English right now. The Right now, it's 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 based. It's sort of regionally based. If we were to fast forward, I don't know. 200 years. Is there one that you think grammatically makes the most sense? The one that has like the sort of firmest grasp on the, you know, the most English speakers? Is there one that you think would eventually take over the others? Or is it going to go the other way? Is it going to get more diverse? And we're going to get more entrenched with our, our great regionalisms? That is such an interesting question. So, so y'all mm -hmm. is sometimes stigmatized, mm -hmm. um, seen, you know, just all, like all Southern speech is sometimes, you know, incorrectly stigmatized. Sure. Um, but it, I think it might be one of the best known because of use in movies and songs and things like mm -hmm. that. 
you guys has the advantage, perhaps the I find the kind of annoying advantage that every YouTuber on the planet addresses their audience as you guys. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, it is pervasive on YouTube and YouTube is a growing medium. So I could see that influencing, even though there's the push against you guys because it's you know the gender problem, there's still a, a lot of force behind you guys. Yeah. I, you know, yins and yous, I don't think are as well known. Um, so I would have to go with y'all of the ones that are available now, because it is, I think, less stigmatized than you guys and more well known than uh -huh. most of the others too. But it's a, such an interesting question. I mean, I mean, language tends to simplify over time. So I could even see, I, but I can't see people stopping using any of them. You know, the, it's a really interesting question of why we don't have a word. We used to have a word mm -hmm. um, for this. You know, it was um, ye was the singular and you was the plural. We had ye, we had ye and you. Huh. Um, and then it, it, it's this whole like interesting cultural thing because first people started using you as a form of like sort of like they started using the plural as a form of respect, kind of like the royal we. Mm -hmm. It was, and then the elites started using you with each other. Right. And then important people were you. And then nobody wanted to offend anyone else. So they just started using you for everyone because, huh. like, you could insult someone by calling them ye or thou. That was the other singular. So you took on this extra role for sort of cultural respect, you know, societal shift reasons and left us yeah. with this huge hole. It'd be great if we could go back to thou and ye, but I don't see that happening. I, I don't know. I think we have a movement on our hands here. I think this is, uh, we, we, we need to do it to fix the, the plural you problem. It's, so it's not a plural you problem. It's a singular you problem. We, we got away from the singular yous. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, I have one last question. And like I said, I want to respect your time and then I'll, I'll get you out of here. Although I, you know, I could hang out cause I have lots of questions about irregardless and literally and all of that sort of thing. The ones I'm sure you hear a bajillion times. I am what I describe as a recovering prescriptivist when it comes to language, because I went to journalism school. I learned all the rules. I corrected my kids when they said something that sounded incorrect to me. And then I learned one day that there's really no reason not to end a sentence with a preposition. Like there's just no reason for it. And that the rules for it basically almost were like cultural imperialism in a way, right? Like these, some grammar rules are basically just like ways of showing we're right and you're wrong. And so I've gotten away from like sort of prescriptivism when it comes to just correcting people for being wrong or at least correcting them in my heads because I don't want to be a jerk and do it right out loud. As a person who comments on grammar in a in a very public way, you must deal a lot with people who are like, I'm annoyed by someone using the word literally wrong, when in fact you recognize that language is a growing, changing thing, and eventually the prescriptivists are going to have to like get over themselves. How do you, this is a bigger question than the Florence Yalls here, but I just, I'm so curious from, from your perspective, like knowing the rules of grammar and usage and understanding that they're changing, whether we like it or not, how do you address that in sort of your public commentary on language and grammar? 
I love your story. You described that as perfectly as anyone could possibly describe it. And I went through a very similar evolution over the 17 years that I've been Grammar Girl. You know, I started, I was a working editor and I was looking up rules all the time. And then I wanted to share them with people. And I think when you're a professional writer, you do you are best served by following those rules that the style guides put in there. But it, you, you do, you come to learn that the rules, they're not really rules. They're like suggestions, as you know, Captain Jack Sparrow might say. <laughs> um, but, you know, so, um, you know, I try to convey that to people. I try very hard, actually, to convey that to people in my podcast. I now, like when I, it's funny, cause I go back and I update old shows and I find I'm very often taking out the word wrong mm-hmm. or incorrect, you yeah. know, and changing it to, this is a style or this is, you know, the, the way Chicago manual of style wants you to do it, or AP wants you to do it. And I try really hard to make people aware that even though it's a good idea to follow these rules, a lot of the time, I guess my emphasis is you shouldn't get so worked up about it. Like, <laughs> like, don't, don't, I mean, we all have peeves. We have things we don't like to see that annoy us, but like, don't you're, it's not about right and wrong. It's not mm-hmm. about good and bad. You know, people prescribe like virtue mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. using the right words and it's good to use the right words. I like to use the right words, but it's not, it doesn't make someone a better person, a more moral person. <laughs> uh, it, you know, it, it just, I think that's my big picture advice is just people shouldn't get as worked up about it as sometimes they do. And the thing that I helped me learn this is that if you look at what people got worked up about a hundred years ago, 200 right. years ago, it sounds ridiculous. <laughs> you know, So we are going to sound just as ridiculous 50, a hundred years from now, the things that upset us will become completely accepted. And everyone, like, everyone will be like, I can't believe they thought, you know, we shouldn't use the word commentate or whatever, you know, so, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, for me, the one, like I can accept all of that intellectually. And then when someone says chomping at the bit, I have to, you know, it's so hard not to say champing. <laughs> so, right. I know. Cause you learned, I, yeah, right. you, you learned and then we think we're right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Last question, I promise, and it's a uh, it's a it's a uh, one word answer. I think Oxford comma yes or no. Yes, but actually, it's not a one word answer. <laughs> Oxford comma yes, but I will die on the hill that you don't have to use it, and that it's a style choice. I prefer it. I think it adds clarity, but AP style doesn't always use it, and it's people aren't like wrong for not using it. Well, now we can go down a whole other rabbit hole of how I think AP style is more about saving ink than it is about clarity of language. But I think that's a whole other conversation. I'm a Chicago manual of style uh, uh, my, myself, guys. So it's... Uh, it definitely used to be. I'm not so sure it is anymore. Okay. Now that it's not ink. Very now often. that it's not ink. Right. Absolutely. Mignon, thank you so much. This has been so much fun. It's such a thrill to get to speak to you. Like I said, I was trying not to fanboy too much here. Where can folks find your podcast and where can they find you online for all of the grammar tips that I go looking for? Thank you. Well, my podcast is Grammar Girls, Quick and Dirty Tips for Better Writing, wherever all fine podcasts are free. Mm-hmm. And um, gosh, the best place to find me is probably at quickanddirtytips.com. I have a, a Grammar Girl landing page there that will take you to all my other social networks and things like that. I'm I'm on almost all of them. <laughs> so two of your accolades, by the way, that we haven't talked about yet before I let you go here are one, you were the 2007 podcast of the year. And now a member of the Podcasting Hall of Fame. Congratulations to you on both of those things. That's really cool. 
Thank you. Thank you. I've been doing this quite a while. (laughs) Well, like I said, 960 episodes at the time of this recording. So that is, uh, that's pretty impressive. Now I need to find, maybe you and I can talk sometime. I'm going to do an episode on the Winston-Salem dash, and we can talk about hyphens and dashes and M dashes sometime, because I would love to have you back on. I would love to do that. That would be fun. (laughs) All right, Mignon, thank you so much. Thank you. It is time once again for Studio Simon Stumpers. I'm here with Studio Simon's Dan Simon, designer extraordinaire, creator of so many amazing logos in the world of minor league baseball and sports at large. Dan, hello. How are you? I am fantastic. Thank you. I'm looking forward to today's episode because Florence is, even though it's really a suburb of Cincinnati, which of course is in Ohio, um, it's in the state of Kentucky where I have lived for the past 21 years. So um, there's that connection. So looking forward to talking about um, one of my home state's teams. What is your floralization of the English word you of choice? Use. Use? Yeah. <laughs> I've always gone with you guys. Living here in Louisville, Kentucky, um, I know a lot of people who use y'all okay. not as, as a thing, but because that's how they grew up. That's how a lot of people talk down here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have tried it and it just doesn't sound right coming from me. It sounds like I'm trying too hard, trying to trying to be a a Kentuckian. Um, just does not sound right for me. So you won't hear me saying it, although I love it when it's said because it just sounds great when it when it comes out naturally. I think that's sort of where I am with it. It's always for other people. It's not for me. I'm happy to hear it when it's out there. Um, you know, like I said, I'm a you guys. On the other side of uh, Pennsylvania, they go with Yins, which is uh, one of my favorites. And then you, of course, are from uh, New York originally. So you've got the Yous. So, yep. You, you know, and you, you mentioned you guys, but I've heard plenty of times growing up in New York and New Jersey, Yous guys. So uh, um, that sounds right coming out of my mouth. So. <laughs> well, who knows what we're going to be talking about today? Maybe it's the pluralization of the word you. Maybe it's uh, something about freedom. The uh, Florence Yall's previous uh, nickname, the freedom, could be obviously there's a there's a big you know there's a water tower history here. Maybe it's about water towers around the world. So I don't know. So what we have got? I'm excited to see where we go with today's Studio Simon Stumpers. Maybe it's about powder blue uniforms. It we're going we're going into the water tower. The water Ooh, tower is the reason for the name of this team. Okay. And so let's talk about this. When yeah. when ground was broken for a new shopping center in Florence in, in 1974, the water tower was built on the land that this shopping mall was going to be. Um, it, was, it was built by the city to supply water to the mall and, and the surrounding area. Um, but it was the developers who paid to have the water tower painted, and they agreed to incur that expense if the city agreed to let them paint the words Florence Mall on the tower, which is what happened. Mm-hmm. And, and But then when authorities got wind of this, they contacted the city, they contacted the mayor, a man by the name of 
Hop Ewing. That was not his, Hop was his nickname, but that's what he went by, Hop Ewing. Um, and was told that the National Highway Beautification Act states that one cannot advertise something that does not exist. And being <laughs> that the water tower was built before the mall was built, um, the mall did not yet exist. The foundation had been laid. They were they were in the process of building it, but it had not yet risen from, from the ground. Um, and so the federal authorities said that they either needed to cover up that wording by via a large tarp or, or something else or repaint the tower. Um, but Hop Ewing faced with that had was thinking of the the most expedient way to to rectify this and he was apparently doodling something on on a napkin and saw that the the letter m um of mall had kind of a, a v in the middle and if you got rid of the legs on the outside and did a, a vertical bar there and put an apostrophe you can have it say y'all instead of ma. Um, and, and that's that's what they did. And the cost of that was much less expensive than any of the other options. Um, but our question now is going to refer directly to this National Highway Beautification Act. Oh. And we, our stumper asks, which president signed that act into law? Was it A, Dwight Eisenhower? Was it B, Lyndon Johnson, or was it C, Jimmy Carter? Dwight Eisenhower, Ike, as he was known, Lyndon Johnson, LBJ, or was it Jimmy Carter? I don't know if he had a nickname or anything. Did he? Mr. Peanut. Okay, so <laughs> Mr. Peanut. So was it Ike, LBJ, or Jimmy Carter, or Mr. Peanut? All right. I think Jimmy Carter would be too late for that act. I think they I think they signed it unless the highways were all in place and they were getting cluttered up by by billboards and, you know, awfulness, which is one of the things I love about driving around the West, by the way. Like people always say like, oh, Nebraska is so flat. I love driving in Nebraska because there's like very few billboards and, you know, you drive, you get these big open skies especially if you're driving west, you know, you can see you can see the mountains off in the distance and so I'm going to say I'm going to say Jimmy Carter was too late for that. You've always told me to trust my instincts, my instincts was as soon as you said Dwight Eisenhower, I went I was thinking that was that was that was who it was and so I'm going to go with my instincts and say Dwight Eisenhower. Why do you listen to me? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, you're not off the schneid. No, still Paul. on the schneid. It was you were correct that it was not Jimmy Carter. The okay. Highway Beautification Act was signed in 1965. Okay. So who's the correct answer given well, that? Well, it's gotta be LBJ. I mean, process of elimination. There you go. It was so. Lyndon Johnson. So All right. another, we we've talked about presidents before. I bet yep. you did not think we were going presidents with a team called the Florence Yalls. But, yeah. Uh, I should have researched the uh the National Highway Beautification Act before <laughs> before this. Uh, that was dumb of me not to be boned up on that. But think about this. 
the Highway Beautification Act directly, it, not impacted, it directly led to the name of a professional baseball team. How cool is that? <laughs> there are helmet Sundays in my collection that exist because of something LBJ did. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. There you go. How about that, Dan? It's always fun. What a uh, what a treat to get to have uh, this conversation with you. And we'll see you again next week for another Studio Simon Stumper. Okay, I'm looking forward to next week. We'll see you next week, Dan. Okay, goodbye, Paul. <laughs>